Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. I was talking to James about it and he said, why don't you do this faith point value? As a church, we have values. A value is something that we, we hold dear to, that we don't want to give away. And he said, why don't you, you preach on this faith point value? We will laugh hard. We will laugh loud. We will laugh often. Nothing is more fun than serving God with people you love. And I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be a breeze. This is going to be a breeze. And then I thought, how do you preach on that? Do you know that they have classes now where they send people to, and it's called a laughing class. Have you ever heard of those? So I don't know, what do they do? They turn up and go, ha, 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 but nothing's happening on the inside. Have a go. <laughs> yeah, see what I mean? It doesn't go. And it's because it's just, this is the outward expression, but there's nothing going on in the inside, yeah? And I had a go at it. I mean, you know, James has told you about some of the strange things I do when I really feel God's talking to me about certain things. So I had a go at it and I was going, ha, 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 through the house. And of course, my kids said, what is wrong with you? You know, is there a problem, Mum? No, and I'm going, no, no, I'm just trying something out. <laughs> and it never worked. So <laughs> when I began to look at this, I thought, you know what? There's something deeper that God wants to say, surely. I just don't get up to the pulpit and say, okay, we're going to laugh loud, laugh hard, and then we'll spend half an hour doing that and then have a cup of tea and go home. There's got to be <laughs> something more than that, Ma. Stop laughing, Ma. <laughs> and I began to look at that and also at the things that um, God has been taking me through in this last little while. So I'm going to begin with a test testimony because this testimony has actually changed the way that I've done things and this happened over in Malaysia so you're all right with that you're right that I testify yeah don't worry I will open the Bible at some stage so all you studious people trainers out there teachers I will do it so last month James and I went up to Malaysia uh, to speak at a family conference and we'd been both asked to speak at this conference and my first session was going to be in the morning with the leaders, uh, women leaders and the leaders' wives. And um, then we would be on various panels throughout the week and at the end of the whole thing, James and I were going to do a half-half round-off, what we call round-off, it's just basically summarising. And I was really looking forward to it because I sensed, you know, like this morning I still do, I sensed that God wanted me, this is what I thought, I can't say I sensed, I thought that God was going to push me up to the next faith level from being the pastor's wife to the conference speaker, right? I thought this was going to be that significant time in my life that people had prophesied over my life. I thought this was it. I thought I had arrived. And... We got to Malaysia. My sessions had turned to one session. I was no longer required on the panels. <laughs> and the senior pastor wanted to round off. And I thought, wow, what am I doing here? 
And I thought, nah, I'm good, I'm good. I got the one session, I got the one session, and it is going to be awesome because God has placed a message in my heart. Remember, I've been cultivating this message over 27 years. A message to pastors and, and leaders, uh, pastors' wives and, the, and leaders who were women. And that morning I preached, and guess what? It wasn't the accolades I was expecting. It wasn't what I thought I would get. And I went back to my hotel room that night, confused, because I was thinking, my God, have I taken somebody else's? Should it have been Shane that should have went? Should it have been, excuse me, somebody else that went? Did I take somebody else's place? Did I push my, my agenda forward? Was that what the problem was? Because God, I, I felt like, that was a waste of time. Somebody else could have done that. And I began to think to, to myself that I wasn't supposed to be there. And so I did what every God-fearing Christian does. I got on my knees. I cried out to God. And I said, Lord, take my agenda. Lord, take the plans that I have. I'm sorry. And I asked for his, his forgiveness. And do you know what I heard? This is all quiet voice in my heart, say. And what would I want with your agenda? I don't want it. Ooh, that's an ugly place to be. You see, I think I was handing it on to God and saying, just take a look at it, it's pretty good. Pretty good, Lord. Have a look, go on. You know, I don't know what you got, but I reckon this is better than yours. That's what I was saying. And nothing happened, so I said to God, well, what do you want me to do with it? It was more like, what do you want me to do with it then? <laughs> Not, oh Lord, what would you want me to do with it? It wasn't that. It's the attitude that counts here. And I heard this quick as a flash, something come back to my heart, said, delete it. <laughs> I worked on this thing for 27 years, mate. I mean, God. <laughs> what? Delete it. You have got to be kidding me. I've worked on this thing for so long. And you want me to delete it? Yep. Nothing else. Just delete, delete, delete. And do you know what? That night, when I thought about it, I realised that my desire to be a, pre, a, a conference speaker was bigger than my desire to obey God. And suddenly, all these things that a friend of mine calls the uglies, all the uglies came up out of nowhere. And I thought, wait, I thought I'd dealt with that stuff. But actually, the uglies were still there. And so you might say to yourself, what's this got to do with we will laugh loud, laugh hard and often. Nothing is more fun than serving with people you love. All of us want to laugh loud. All of us want to laugh hard. We just like laughing. It's good for us, yeah? Ama, it's good for us. But we can only do that when we are authentically doing it. And there is so much pretense in the world today. Who wants our faith community to be a place where we pretend? Yes. I mean, you know, assume the position, you know. Let's assume the position of being super Christian. I can believe God for anything. We're really, the ugly inside is saying, 
yeah, nah, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring and I'm frightened. And so what we need to do is to understand that we've got to look at the uglies that are motivating us to do what we're doing. And also, that second part, nothing is more fun than serving with people you love. When you love people and they love you back, you are open to each other. You are not pretentious. You are authentic. I can say things to James that you guys would go, gasp, shout. What did she just say? I can say things to my kids that they would look at me and say, are you a Christian or what? And yet, it's authentically me. Yes, I do have to say sorry sometimes. But at the end of the day, we are creators of self. Amen? Creators of self. Are you guys all right there? Because you see, as we began, we can't fake it when we're with friends. Friends know us. And when we say things or do things and they look at us as if to say, what are you doing? That's not even you. And God wants to make us his friend. And you wonder, is God saying, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? That's not you. And so what I found in the days that followed is I dug deeper because I went to Cambodia after that and a friend of me said, oh, I've got just the book for you. You know, God's like always doing that. You know, when you've got a problem, he wants to help you fix it. And um, I just want to say this, and I've been saying this to a few people, you don't have to fix your life before you can approach God. God wants to be in the same business of fixing things with you. Amen. He doesn't want you to come up shiny and new and say, only now can I worship God. He wants to say, come on, come on. Anyway, that was a bit of an aside. So in the days that followed, as I said, and as I dug deeper, I realised that there were parts of me that I presented in the presence of others that were not real. That's a hard realisation to come to. It was a persona I'd built around what I could do, what gifts I had, and the opinions of people that I loved, what they thought of me. And so I would say things. You know, I remember going to this church one time, and they were saying, the veil is renting too, the veil is renting too, and that was the latest, you know, what do you call it? That was the latest uh, um, f- phrase that they, were, that they were saying. But then one by one, as time went by, people would come and say, what does that mean? And so we can say things and copy off people, and yet it's not, we don't know what they mean. It's fake. That's what I'm trying to say. And so when we come into the house of God, we've got to try to stay away from being fakes. Amen? Am I hurting anybody's feelings? Sorry. Too bad. (laughs) We've got to stop being pretentious because there's one day in our whole lives that we can stop being pretenders, turn up to church and just be who we are. This is the place where we're all levelled, whether we're mothers, whether we're fathers, whether we're um, corporate people, whether we're health workers, doctors, lawyers, doesn't matter. At the house of God, everybody is the same. Amen? And yet we do get to that place where we want to make people above each other because that tells us how successful in our own heads we are. And so 
when I first became a pastor and I was ordained, it was because there was a group of people needed to, for me to be ordained. Apart from that, I think 20, how long have I been in this? 17 years I'd done it with, with no title. But there are titles to be had. People want to be the latest prophet, the latest apostolic, the latest pastor, the latest, 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 latest. And I think God's saying, yeah, later. <laughs> Not interested. Later. Amen. And so I've gone right off my notes, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> so, thanks, mate. I think the thing is, how do we become these authentic people then? Because I know if you're like me, then there are parts, like I said, parts of me that aren't, aren't authentic. They aren't authentic. And I'm glad to say that I've dealt with a few of those. But, you know, there's the laugh. Who laughs like this? <laughs> but I learned how to do that amongst leaders and their wives. <laughs> when I laugh, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that was it. That's me. But I learned to laugh like, <laughs> I learned to say things like, oh, that's lovely. When I thought, what is that? <laughs> you know, and I had picking things up because we've, we've been taught from an early age that you don't say some things. And I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you should just do whatever you feel like, but that's been stupid as well. I remember listening to Pastor Selwyn and he said, some people got the spirit of God, some people got the spirit of stupid. Let's not be those with the spirit of stupid. Hey, I mean, you know, you don't say to me, Pastor, have you said I could do this, so I'm going to do what I think is right? It's like, don't be stupid. You know, Christians, we've got more brains than most people. Hey. Supposed to be. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. Is it? Don't be stupid. You know, don't do cartwheels in the middle of the worship service because it says to spin around. Don't be stupid. But how do we get all this stuff? How do we go from being who we've become back to being the authentic me? Well, first of all, I believe this: that we have to know. We have to experience. The love of God. Everything that we do should come out of that. We shouldn't be doing stuff and then saying, God, can you please bless my plan? And so in pursuit of God, he speaks to our hearts about certain things that we need to be doing. Um, and so experience how much God loves me helps me to find my true self so we need to go not into the Bible to find the latest and greatest which was the usual things that pastors did because we wanted to have pastors normally wanted to have the, the preach of the season so that everybody go wow they're good and then they say would you like to come and preach at my church I'm, I'm not talking about James by the way <laughs> just in case you're wondering and it just worked like that I mean, goodness me, it's God who promotes, yeah? yeah? It is. And so, first of all, we have to be experiencing how much God loves me. God loves you deeply. He loves you deeply. And the questions often asked, how do I find myself? Myself, myself. <laughs> how do I find myself? <laughs> Sorry, sorry. How do I find myself? There's a few of me. 
Yeah, so as Christians, we only ever answer that question by realising how deeply God loves us. This is the beginning. There's a saying that's running around, that's an, uh, it's, um, it's a throwback from the old days, I love you to the moon and back. I love you to the moon and back. <laughs> you know, everybody's using a phrase. I love you to the moon and back. That's awesome. But listen to this. Listen to this. Psalm 36 verse 5. This is how God sees us. Your love, O Lord, it reaches to the heavens. Amen? How poetic is that? Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. How awesome is that? That's further than the moon, if you were checking. What about this? Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nothing, nothing, nothing. You imagine if you had a, had a husband or a wife that said that to you. Nothing would separate me from you. Not famine, not sword. <laughs> There's some that have said some things, but this, these weren't it this morning. Yeah. Not famine, not sword, not, oh, not danger, none of that stuff. Nothing will separate me from you. If I spoke that to James, he'd think, wow, wow, I hit the jackpot. But I'll tell you what, some of the words I use don't look like that. They don't look like that. But these are the words that God speaks to, to us. That's how much he loves us. Deeply, deeply. But we think that we think, oh yeah, I know about the love of God. Let's get on with the real stuff. Let's do the ministry. Let's go see people healed. Let's go see people saved. Let's go see people. Let's go see. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And we think that's the most important thing because we're saying, God, if I do more, you'll notice me. I want to tell you today, God notices you already. He made you. God notices you and he loves you deeply. And if I were to say anything about today's preach, that's the one thing that I'm saying. God loves you. But we can see it as objective, you know, like, like a, a TV announcer. You know, look over there. That's the love of God. But really, we need to experience the love of God. It's more than just words. It's actions. We have to embrace that God loves us. But here's the thing. If God loves us, he loves everything about us. He loves the things we do right, but he also loves the uglies. Because he knows that those uglies are going to turn into good things. Once you have processed with God. But we... As humans, we turn up in our Sunday best and we say, <laughs> hi, God, or, or else, oh, God. You know when I first met James, that's what they used to call God, God. And, and, and <laughs> I went down to his church and he was, his, him and his mates would go, praise God, hallelujah. And I said to him, who's God? <laughs> yeah, it's God with an accent, apparently. And because and, he was in a different church to me. But you know, God loves us deeply. Amen? He loves us deeply. If I, if I could just say that for half an hour, I would. I would. But I hope this, that that one statement resonates in your spirit. And he does. He loves 
those things about you that are ugly because he knows once the transformation takes place, all glory will come back to him. Amen? And so we don't turn up and do the, oh God, great and mighty. We don't do that. This is me and God. You know, this is me and God. And I say you have to, we have to be able to be vulnerable. That's a good word, scary word. Vulnerable enough to bring it up and say, God, I'm struggling with this big time. Big time. Do you know that some of the studies that have been had say that people fall into, uh, fall into or find themselves in sin because the uglies are the things that they ignore. The trouble is, is that when the uglies are ignored and you never pay no mind to them, they come back and bite you on the posterior. That's here. <laughs> they come back and bite you hard. Yes? But if you are continually bringing it up before God and saying to God, Lord, I'm still struggling with this, then you know God and you are on the case. Amen? I had, when I, first, when I was a Christian, my biggest struggle was cigarette smoking. I couldn't give it up. And I cry and I plead and say, God, take it away from me. I was in church, I was preaching, I was smoking. And my pastor, I went to him one day and I said, you know I'm smoking, eh? And he said, yeah, I know you're smoking. And I said, well, how does that work, God? How does that work, pastor? And he said, have you stopped lifting it up to God. I said, no. He said, well, you're dealing with it. Awesome. He said, however, if you'd have taken your cigarette smoking and pretended that you weren't and then sprayed yourself with perfume before you came to church, I would have had a word to you. So we do. And in this house, we do not want to be judgmental. <laughs> that doesn't mean to say everybody go rush out and have a smoke now, no. <laughs> no, we don't go there either. But we are gracious towards each other, yes? We are gracious when people struggle with things. Because we know, if they, we know if they are holding it up to God, showing him their uglies, then God and them are on the case. Amen? Amen. Because, you know, in this house, what we want to be is authentic. We don't want to be pretentious. And you can make anything pretentious, anything you like. You can make the way you preach, the make your way you do worship, the way, the way you, you prophesy. You can make all those things pretentious. But if you're holding it up to God, like I did when I went to Malaysia and said, Lord, I was trying to be somebody I was not. God, I was motivated by fame. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be the... Woman of the hour, I want to eclipse James and his preaching. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I wanted all those things. Those were my uglies. And I had to be game enough to say to God, actually, um, you know, Lord, these are my uglies. And they've got no place in your house. Can you help me out with it? God is never going to turn you down. Moreover, he's never going to turn his eyes away from you. Because as a child and you got uglies, he wants to help you fix it. Amen. So as I said, we can treat scriptures as merely words or we can embrace the scriptures of love that God's given us. We can embrace them, pull them into our hearts and realise how much God loves us. But also, 
that we don't need to be anybody to do anything. God doesn't want anything from us except our praise, our heart, our unpretentious lives. Amen? None of those things. So I have to figure out where I'm at. So the second thing we need to know is when you know God's love, which is deep and unconditional, you understand that he loves all of you, all of your uglies. So there's a scripture in the Bible that I want to turn to. It's about the woman at the well, because what normally happens, if you've got uglies and you're in the presence of a holy God, what will happen is that you ignore them. Just like I was saying, that you have people who ignore their uglies and in the finish they come out and bite them. So there's a story in the Bible, the woman at the well, in John chapter 4. And what happens when you look at this story, there's this, there's this thing happening with her and Jesus. First of all, she turns up, uh, Jesus turns up at the well, and he wants to talk to her. And in those days, she's a Samaritan. You don't talk to a Samaritan if you're a Jew. That was not permitted, and especially if the Jew was a woman and you were a man. So what happens is that she comes up and she... Um, she comes up and it, we begin at verse 7 and it says this. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan, the woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. Gosh, I'm trying to get my sorted myself sorted. And I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You see, in that one uh, comment she was making there, she was putting on her Sunday best. I know the rules. Obviously, you do not. I know the rules. Samaritans don't talk to Jews. Uh, Jews don't talk to Samaritans. And you definitely don't talk to me. I'm a woman. So she was turning up in her Sunday best with Jesus. But you have a look at what Jesus says back to her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Straight away his response is love. And when you come with your Sunday best on to God, to, to the Lord, he can see right through. And that's something we have to remember to be authentic, in order to be authentic. We have to know that when we come up to God, when, we, when we're coming to him in worship, we're coming to him in prayer, you can't impress him. Amen? He can see already. So immediately, Jesus responds with love. And that's the immediate response he gives to us whenever we approach him. His immediate response is love. And then in verse 11, she says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it, as also his sons and his flocks and his heads? So all the time she's pushing him away. You see that? She goes back to the letter of the law and pushes him away. And Jesus, all he wants to do is approach her and help her and let her know that he knows all about her. She doesn't need to try and be pretentious. She doesn't need to tell him what she knows from, from uh, the law. He already knows that. So she sticks to the facts, stays objective, 
but is separated from God. So then we go down to verse 13, and it says this, Jesus says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Once again, Jesus comes back to her and says, I love you, in not so many words. Shows her what he wants to show her. This, if you come, you know, if you open your life up to me, you'll have wells of living water inside you. So Jesus responds, and it's the same with us. No matter how many times we pretend, God's, uh, the Lord's response will always be love. I love you. I love you. And then verse 15, she finally gets it. And she says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So she's opened herself up in that one verse. And then we'll see what happens next. Verse 16, it says this. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Go call your husband and come back. He's opened the door wide up. And God does that to us every time. He doesn't hold the key to what he wants to give you over here and says, I know you're not getting it unless you're a good boy, good girl. You're not getting it. It's always, his hands are always open to us. Our heart, his heart is always open to us. Always open. But we have a habit of deflecting him all the time, don't we? Because we have this inbred thought in our hearts, God can't look on dirty things. Yeah, God doesn't like sin. And I've heard the preaching that says that he didn't look at Jesus when he died because he couldn't look on sin. But God and you are working together on this thing, yes? You're working together on it. And so the door is wide open, and then verse 17, she says these words, I have no husband, she replied. Now, can you imagine this woman? Can you imagine this woman waiting in that moment, he's going to judge me. He's going to do what everybody else did to me. He's going to tell me to go away. He's going to tell me I'm no good. I can tell by the look in his eyes. His words might be different, but I know what he's thinking. And then those words that Jesus says, you are right when you say you have no husband. Jesus states the facts. The fact is you have five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And in that moment, I don't know how, what time span there was between verse 18 and 19, she realises that Jesus is a prophet. You are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And straight away she engages in a, um, in, a, in a speak with Jesus about worship. What do you say about this? And that's the way that God wants us to live our lives. Where we can... Say what we need to say. He'll keep encouraging us. Come on, come on, come on. Be real, be real. This is me. This is Jesus. Don't pretend. Don't look like you know what you're doing. Don't look like you know what you're saying. Don't pretend. You don't have to earn my respect, earn my love. You've got it. And I think the trouble is is that sometimes we can get on tracks, we can hear preachers, and we actually attach, uh, attach our lives to what they're preaching. But one thing we have to realise is that Jesus loves us. It doesn't matter. I know this is a simple word, 
but sometimes we have to come back to simplicity because in simplicity we find authenticity. Amen? Because like I said, we can look the part, we can say the right things, but in our heart there's nothing. But if in our heart there's the love of Jesus, we will do well. Amen? Are you guys all right out there? Good? Good. So in verse 17 and 18, Jesus carries on. But in verse 29, if we go to there. He's revealed his true idea. Oh, sorry. You come down to um, verse 26 and Jesus 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he has come, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who you speak to am he. And that is Jesus's, that is our Lord's whole focus. That's the whole goal, that we will know him as the Messiah, that we will know him dearly, that we will know him intimately, that we will know him authentically. That's what it's always been about. It's not about what we can do. It's not about how we can, how, how many it's not about how many gifts we can use. It's not what we can do for God. It's all about knowing that he loves us and understanding that. You know, we spend so much tr- um, time trying to find answers. Somebody, everybody is on a quest to find what's the purpose for my life. I've done that. And really what I was saying was, Lord, I want to do something significant. That's what I was meaning. I wasn't looking for a purpose. I just wanted to be significant. Why? Maybe so Jesus would love me more. Maybe I'd be blessed more. I don't know. But that was an ugly that I needed to put up there. But we spend so much of our time looking for answers. I've got news for you today. Jesus is the answer. So in all of this, we need to pursue God. Pursue his love for us. And while we are in love with Jesus... He began to speak some things into our hearts because we are sons of God, but we are friends of God, and friends share secrets, yeah? And God has a secret, and a secret plan for your life, only you and him know what it is. God has a a plan for your life, and he wants to share that with you more than anything else. So the value, laugh hard, loud and often. We can only do this authentically when we're happy in our own skin, knowing that our lives are full of light because we've opened up to God's unconditional love. Nothing is more fun than serving with God you love. This can only happen when all of us have taken off our masks of pretension. That can only happen. True love can only happen then. When we love each other, we can say, yeah, we have fun, we love those people, but actually... Do you really? Or can you give them the flick? I love my husband. I love my three sons. I can't flick them off when I'm sick of them. I try. (laughs) A couple of times I try, but it didn't work. Because I keep coming back to them because I love them dearly. I love them deeply. And nothing they do, honestly, it brasses me off, but nothing they do will ever take away from me that. And God wants us to be exactly like that. He wants us to love each other, to take our masks off. Don't do the laugh. <laughs> Don't do that. I mean, really. 
oh, it's lovely to see you, when you're really thinking, man, that dress is ugly. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean for you to go and say, gee, that dress is ugly. But we say things because it's the right social thing to say, yeah? And in this house, let's not be like that. Let's be authentic people. So, in Philippians, I'll finish with this scripture. My cat's been sitting all over my Bible. You should oh, yuck. You look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Let's start from there. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be in love with Jesus every time. I want every response I say to you guys coming from the love of God. I want everything that I do coming because I love God and he loves me back and he told me that's what I should do. I want to be... Oops, excuse me. I want this person that I am to be real. I want you to be real. I want us to form a real relationship. I want to see your true self because I think the true self that God knows you are is much more beautiful than the selves we are making ourselves to be. I want this place, faith point, to be authentic whether we in loving each other so much that when we even talk about things that hurt us, that we are looking for the focus and the goal of all loving Jesus together. Amen? Amen. I